This is the Command Your Brand podcast, where we talk to world changers, visionaries, and founders, people that are doing big things and changing this planet in a positive way. We're learning their stories, techniques, and exactly what you need to know so that you can do things in a big way. The time is now. Get ready to take command of your brand. Hey, what's up, everybody? Jeremy here. And guys, I'm very excited for the conversation we're going to have today as we have Bogdan Paladichuk with us today from The Cream. And we're going to be taking a look at taking ideas, bringing them into reality, and kind of what the next stage of design development looks like. So I'm really excited to chat with him today. So Bogdan, thanks for hanging out with me today, man. Hey, hey, hey. Really excited to be here. It's actually my first ever podcast, so I'm actually like a bit worried, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure it's going to go fine. So if you're going to support me and just, it's going to be awesome. I'm pretty sure. Hey, man, we've had some conversations. I'm sure you're going to be fine. So we're going to rock and roll today. So the thing I'm curious about is you guys have a very like unique viewpoint as a company at The Cream. And so I'm curious, like, how did it start? Where did the idea come from? And kind of what is your development as an entrepreneur been like? Okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's a very nice question, especially to start off with. So I've been a designer myself, and I'm actually still a designer, right? So when I was working as a designer, I was thinking about, you know, what are the pros and cons of being a designer of different workplaces and just of the design work itself? So I was like, I was spotting that Usually the designer in the team is just like the only person who is a designer amongst all the IT guys. Sure. So you have nobody to chat with, nobody to exchange ideas with because everybody else would be technical. And that's the case in many product companies. There would be like just like one or two designers. So they don't have any interconnection between themselves. So I was thinking it'd be super awesome to have fellow designers that I can chat with, that I can exchange ideas with and this cross synergy with like, hey, I found this amazing color palette or just sharing the plugins between themselves is usually something that helps a lot and just getting feedback from fellow designers on the work um, is just extremely good, as I believe, and very productive for designers just to have in the environment. That's why when I was finishing working as a designer and thinking about the company, I was like, I want every people, like all the people inside of the team to exchange their ideas, cross collaborate and be able to just knock each other and ask questions. So one of the things that was really like big for me was this cross collaboration. And this is something that I brought to my agency. Also, um, I like democracy a lot. So I really don't like uh, super huge ear peer kind of processes where you have to have like tons of different papers just to have a day off or a sick leave or mm-hmm. whatever. Just like you have to come with the exactly the same type to your job. So again, when I was making my company, I was trying to make a workplace that is absolutely democratized from these things. You can start working whenever you want to. You can work for how long you want to, but just do your responsibilities. We are like very fixed on the objectives and what you actually have to do. But it's funny, that's very similar to our work philosophy, actually. It's the reason we've been able to get a lot of people we've been able to get because you can get some really talented people that can actually like to do things their own way. Yeah, I think for the creative people, this is the only way to do it. Even if you look at Google and everything else, they're giving everything, like all the massage therapies and uh, catering inside and the bars and the sports. So you can, you know, have your own pace of how you create things, uh, do your own things, but at the same time, be productive. I think we're like the whole society is shifting from the very strict standards. And I think that started happening after COVID hit. 
like when everybody started being remote, I think there was the, the, the first wave of people being like, hey, we can do things differently. We don't have to be like in the box, fully framed, nine to five, exactly like that. I'm like, there are different companies that probably need the strictness, but with design, I'm very happy to have this kind of flow inside of our team. And I think that is what brings all this value and extra results. So let me ask you this then, I guess, what would you say is kind of unique about the way you guys look at design? Because it does seem like you have kind of a different aesthetic to things. Yeah. So basically a lot of people are looking at the design just as the appearance of things or just like the way it looks. But indeed, all the designers are also like kind of fighting this hypothesis, but we have a system in place that is called the semiotic triangle, which means there is a sense, form, and a function to everything in design. So it's not just about how it looks, but it, how it works and what kind of message or function does it serve in order to, you know, work well. So then just looking at fancy things is just one thing in design. Aesthetics is beautiful. We love it. We always focus on high-end aesthetics. But then what were you trying to say? What's the message behind it? You know, and then starting from there, you can actually create great things if we're talking about visual design primarily. Mm -hmm. I would say. So from that perspective, then, you know, one of the things that I've seen you talk about is kind of the secret to what a website should look like when we're talking about conversion. I guess people really get kind of stuck in the wrong thing. So in your viewpoint, what's the secret to real website conversion? Yeah, the secret to website conversion is actually in the story, I think. People, a lot of people are getting it wrong and a lot of founders are trying to make a website as a technical manual and explain all these technical details about who they are and what they do. This is important. But people actually like when it's personalized. They like when whatever they're looking at is very appealing to them, I would say. So instead of having these stock images, people feel these are stock images. For example, if you're using any type of imagery, video or whatever, if you create some something custom, something alive, take real pictures, real photos, this is one of the things that actually makes it feel like, okay, these people are real, they actually have the expertise or whatever, and this seems like something generated on a random template. And the credibility behind the conversion is extremely important, as well as just the clarity of what you're trying to speak. So yeah, I, I say like a lot of people are going very generalistic with the way they put down the copy, for example, like we are the best in innovation, we innovate everything and in innovation at your fingertips, but it's not even clear what they do. At mm -hmm. the same time, I love how Apple approaches their website. And like a lot of people would reference this as one of the great examples, but I can actually break it down like part by part. Why does it work? Because it's about you. It's not about them. They're not saying we so are. Let's take a look at that then. Let's take a look at part by part why it works. Because I think that is interesting because I know it communicates to a lot of people. Like even for me, like I like a very simple, clean cut design, but yet Apple very much communicates to me. I, I'm talking on a MacBook sitting next to an iPhone. Like I own a lot of Apple products, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Same here. When we're talking about their websites, again, we can break it down to the copy, the structure, the interactivity, and the visual part of it. Just to break it down real quick. All of them are important. It's not about like being clean and clear and that's it. It's about everything coming together. So I was looking at this AirPods Pro Max, uh, and you can actually also take a look at it in your future. Oh, that website's incredible. The AirPods Pro Max site? Yeah, it's huge headphones, and it says just AirPods Max. That's it. You see the product, it looks beautiful. You see the name and nothing else besides. And then you start exploring and then you see the descriptions. But still, like when you look at the description, they're not describing like the frequencies or whatever. They're saying like, enjoy the sound as you want it. 
So it's about you, again, not about them. So the whole messaging of Apple is always about explaining what's your real use case value in it. It's not about how complex they made the system or what's even behind the curtains. I mean, they get there to the technical specification of the device, but they're talking about how you will enjoy having their device. And they're making it short, sweet, very straight to the spot. But at the same time, it's still, again, it, there's no fluff there. They're like picking their very nice language. And a lot of people are trying to cover the meaning behind the form. Again, using all these fancy words, but they just don't work. And then the next point I would say is the interactivity part of it, of course. Like people like when things are just moving, when they have certain control over how things behave on the website, for example. That's why having things pop, having things move is... It's just the classic representation of the visual is always better than a thousand words, right? Mm -hmm. So they're using the visuals, the videos and everything else in a perfect way to just showcase how good this device look. And you look at it and you are like, I want to have it. I want to be part of it. I want to touch it. I want to play around with it. So I think they're like very awesome at this, adding interactivity, using the copy that actually talks about the user and how he would benefit, not about me as a company. I am excited to provide you or whatever. And then putting it all together in a clear, concise way. People don't like reading like lots of text, so they actually keep it very sweet and short. Um, they're working with visual emphasis as well. So there's not like text, 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 text. There would be like big text, small text, gray text, text with the icon. So your eyes are always anchored to something and you're not overloaded by things. I would say each and every single Apple product has the same approach to how they market it on the website and actually everywhere. That's really interesting too, because I feel like something done well like that is actually an experience. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it's, though it's visual, it tends to handle a lot of your other senses. Is that kind of like what you see out of that? Yes, for sure. For sure. Like you always start with a huge meaning, with a huge copy, and then it's a real science to keep it within three words, but keep the same, you know, meaning there, but at the same time, keep the emotion, but omit all these useless words. Like that's the approach they, you can see throughout all the products of Apple, I would say in the design of the devices themselves, but the same with the copy with visuals and with the websites as well. They keep it short, sweet, and emotional. So let's talk about that then, because I think when you look at that, that can be one of the single hardest things to do to put yourself into a prospect's shoes. Because I know even when I started this podcast, gosh, like eight years ago now, you know, I tried to quote unquote, put myself in a prospect's shoes. And when I realized it, I was actually just creating a show for myself. Now I got lucky and people liked it, which is good. But at the same time, like, how do you put yourself in a prospect's shoes? So you're actually creating something for them and not for yourself. I would say that just stop wearing their hat and take it for granted. What I mean by that is ask, talk to people. It's one of the single best things that can happen just to whatever product design or any design that happens in life or to anything is you ask people about how do you actually feel about it. You show them something and you ask about their opinion. You know, like kind of want to fight with it. You want to listen to them actively and show it to as much people, as many people as possible to get all this possible views on this and actually getting the feedback like this and just we call it in design we call it user interviews mm -hmm. is actually a tricky thing because whenever you're going to have a group of people there's going to be a certain dynamics about how they behave as a group there's going to be a opinion leader and then people who are kind of sitting in the back and not going to say a word so acknowledging that is also important because you don't want to hear what you want to hear you want to hear the real thing so it's a real science behind asking the questions and i think it does make sense and it's the best thing you can do to improve any of the products that you run so I guess, how would you like locate people for something like this? And like, how would you go about questioning them the right way? Like, so that you're actually getting, you know, useful data. 
I would say like it's a lot. It has a lot to do with the psychology. So like there's a bunch of different tips that you have to keep in mind. But at the same time, it's just as simple as keeping person relaxed, listening actively, not trying to just trying to feel make the person feel comfortable, I guess, in the setting they're at with the questions that they're being asked. Sometimes offer them a little bit of help if they need it. And this way you can get the person to really relax and show the more explicit insights. Because when you're asking this first level questions or just even even in like in the very beginning, the people are like a bit stressed. So they're going to try to defend themselves or just uh, say something not to feel stupid or not to seem mm-hmm. stupid, for example. But then you really have to, it's a science of having them open up and it's about them being comfortable, them being respected, valued. Yeah, we had actually very nice use cases with such things, but... What would be like an example of like the type of questions you would ask somebody? Like, is it how it makes them feel or what it makes them think? Or like, what type of questions would you ask somebody? Yeah. So I actually overheard this very interesting story from a company called Fjord Berlin. I was at their conference and they were telling that they were gathering user interviews and feedbacks about one of their products. And they were doing like customer customer experience research about the packaging of milk, actually. So they were... uh, Interesting. They walked into the house of this old lady and said, like, hey, do you like the packaging of the milk as it currently exists? She was like, yeah, it's awesome. I, you know, it's just like great. So then she invited them for dinner and then they they had a lovely chat and they were like about to leave. So she took this bottle of milk and she started just like screwing it and just making all these like weird things with it just to pack it into the garbage can. And they were like, but why are you doing this? And she was like, yeah, it's just, you know, it doesn't fit. I would like it to be smaller in size. So I really like always change them in size in order to throw it in the garbage. So like, oh, that's she, interesting. It's like when you get one of those it. like gallon jugs and you got to crunch it down to get it to fit in anything. Yeah. <laughs> she never said it. She said everything is awesome. But then when you look at her doing this thing, then you can admit, okay, yeah, it can be smaller in size or potentially, you know, it can be a different construction to make it easier for her to crush it down and throw it away or ask more people, you know, if it's the case or if it's just like a single case. But yeah, uh, the words and the real insides are always different, but it's fun. That's interesting because it's almost like you'd have to at some point observe somebody using it a little bit because what they tell you may not be as true as how they behave. Is that true? Yes, for sure. This is the actual, the real quoting of the term inside as it is. It's not about any information. It's about the information that you obtain in the person, in their real habit of doing something. Because when you know you're under observation, you still act slightly different than you would act just by yourself. So the fact of insight and the matter of finding this real use cases without, you know, the observer fact, uh, the Schrodinger kind of principle, right, is something that really helps you to get to the real root of the things. That's really interesting because I'm thinking in my head about like different websites and apps and things like that that I've used. And I'm like, oh, the app's great. But then I like, I realize like, well, I can't use this part and I complain about this part. And it's like, in my mind, it's great. And if somebody interviewed me about it, I'd probably say it was great. But like, if you actually see the experience, you're going to see, you know, what somebody, you know, has to actually say about it, which is true. You know what I mean? Like reality is what you can see and observe. Yeah, this is one of the things that was the most fascinating for me, I guess. I love Hotjar as a tool in terms of web analytics. because this Hotjar is, meaning the thing where you can see where people click on a site where they spend yeah, the most time? Yeah, they're a live recording session, so you can see how they actually are moving their mouse, where they are holding it, are they trying to click something, or are they trying to rotate something? So yeah, I'm a huge fan of this tool because, again, you can ask a bazillion questions, but when you look at the person doing it, if you even hear how he clicks, like, you know, he's in a rage trying to click something and something doesn't work. I understand he's very pissed, you know, or he's trying really hard. I can never extract that from any interview. He'd be like, yeah, I was trying. It was not working, but you know, it's not, 
I wouldn't understand that he's mad. And mm -hmm. this is something that comes from real watching, observing it inside. So let me ask you this then, like, it's like knowing that, how do we engage our customers better? Because when we look at it, like, I think, like, even for my company, like the only way we engage people is online, right? So for a lot of companies, like, it's the sole place where you're engaging people. Like, so how do we engage people better knowing all these things? I would say just again, uh, scheduling talks with them. Just, Hey, Hey, would you have like 15 minutes to chit chat about, you know, how we work together or about, would you check out our new website? Cause I'm interested about your, your opinion or just asking some random people. I like really like asking all the people, the people who are our clients, the people who are, had never seen our websites and people who are totally off our age audience. For example, somebody who's like 90 years old, we would show them their website because it seems like crazy. Like they probably wouldn't understand how to operate web fully. But at the same time, still, they have their certain impression and it, it's very surprising sometimes how cool it can be. So I would say, yeah, the, the best way is just to keep in touch with the audience. Just, you know, talk with them, add them on social media, follow them, get to know them and just schedule different calls to just chit chat. That always helps. Awesome. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation, man. For people listening, if they want to find out more about you and more about what you do at Cream, you know, how would they do that? They can go with thecream.com and observe everything that we do, the portfolio, and there's my face in there as well. We actually just uh, refreshed our website just uh, two weeks ago, and we've been working for a long time, so it's definitely exciting to check out, I would say. I love your little uh, character on your site, by the way. Is it Chubbick? Is that his name? It's Chubby. Yeah, his, Chubby, name, his, okay. his name appeared out of nowhere as <laughs> himself as well, I, I would say. Just we had this vibe that, you know, we are fluid, we're very like energetic and we're changing as a substance. So he appeared as a mix of the egg and a chicken uh, with this like uh, endless dilemma. What was the first? So yeah, he just, he was drawn accidentally by our graphic designer and forever and ever he stayed in our hearts because he's just like so fun to have. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Bogdan Paladichuk, thank you so much for hanging out with me today, man. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It was nice.